Welcome to episode 365 of the Doctor of the Doctor Who Podcast. My name is David, and I'm here with my wife, Ginger. Hello. Today we're going to talk about episode 2 of The Pirate Planet. Mr. Fibuli. <laughs> Moons of Madness. Yeah. Um, we see a reprise of our previous uh, ending where the Doctor is slammed to the wall by the Mentiads. And then our story continues with a shot of the um, the bridge up on top of the mountain. And the captain is reprimanding his crew who are all lined up to be yelled at. And uh, Mr. Fibuli tries to make excuses, but the captain is upset because the rogue telepath ended up in the hands of the Mentiat, which is what he, he did not want. He says, when someone fails me, someone dies. We see um, a woman in a white um, and black edged uniform, his nurse apparently, by his side for the first time. And so he gets upset and says, someone will die. And his parrot, Avatron, um, he sends to kill someone. And we hear a scream from off camera. And then the person standing next to Mr. Fibuli is laying on the floor and the bird is standing victorious on its chest that it's killed it. So the doctor awakens and um, he says, oh, what hit me? And they try to answer. I think it was Chemus or Mula. And he says, I wasn't asking you. Canine, what hit me? And so Canine tells him what happened and um, he finds that the Mentiads have taken Prelix and Chemist makes a comment that um, everyone's too afraid to fight. He says, well, who's afraid to fight? He says, you know, would you fight? I would fight. He says, what, you didn't get around to it? And Chemist says, well, no, I know. I will fight them. I will fight them. So, um, K-9 says that he can track the Mentians by their mental powers. So, they have a way to find them. They're going to go after them. But then uh, the doctor gathers everyone and asks who's coming. And Mula is, and Chemus, K9, and he asks Bellaton. He says, No, I've had enough of Mentiads and guards and life force. And says, I want nothing of it. Says Romana. And then K9 pipes up and says, Well, I tried to tell you four times and you wouldn't let me. The Romana's been arrested. Um, he says, where would they have taken her? So he, um, they, he says, they say that she would have been taken to the bridge. So our scene shifts to the guards that have Ramana in custody, and they push her over towards a air car. And she's, you'll drive, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you know where we're going. And <laughs> she gets in. The doctor wants to go after Romana. Mula wants to go after Prelix, so he says, well, we'll flip a coin. So she chooses tails, and he he gets heads, and it comes up heads. And she says, how can you leave such an important decision to chance? He says, well, I, there's two kings on whatever planet, he says, where the coin is from. So he says, well, if I'm right, then Romana's in much greater danger than Prelix. And, he said, and she says, well, I don't care. I'm going after Prelix. If she runs off, 
that the doctor sent came on with her to watch out for her and to leave her to the men to like. And he and Gamus will go after Romana. So they go out and um, the doctor looks at the bridge and he says, well, how did the guards get there? She says, they're air cars. So they find one. He says, well, let's steal this one. And there's a guard asleep in it. So they hide out and toss jelly babies across the way. She wakens the guard and he follows this trail of jelly babies around into a doorway and the doctor and Gamus take off in his air car. The um, captain's nurse is set some type of device in his mouth. I don't know if it's like a like thermometer or some some I device. I couldn't tell either. It was kind of weird. Uh, and she's doing this some ministration to him and Mr. Billy comes up and has bad news so he's cowering not wanting to tell him but the captain says by the horns of the sky demon speak Mr. Fibuli so he says the macromat field integrator has burned out it's one of the four components they can't replace themselves and um, they have a couple options um, they need a mineral PJX one five or something. He says that um, they might be able to repair it themselves with that, um, but they can only make one more dump with what they've got. Um, as he says this, we see that the nurse looks very concerned at this news. The captain is very angry, and uh, there's a surprise. Yeah, he's very surprised when Miss Fibuli says, "Well, the third option is that." that Xanax remain where it is and that sends the captain and spinning into overload and he slams his mechanical fist down onto the, the control panel and there's a cloud of steam as, this, as he does this as Romana's pushed into frame by the guards that accompany her he says who are you? The doctor and Chemus are flying to the bridge, and Chemus has said, Oh, we can see everything from up here, even the mines. And so the doctor said, Yeah, tell me about your miraculous mines. You know, how do they work? Do you go down? No. Do the Mentiads? No. Um, does anyone? It's like, No, it's all um, automated. Because um, what happens if when they run out of stuff? Says, oh, well, well, the captain announces a new a golden age, the lights change, and they fill up again. Is that wrong? He says, wrong? It's an economic miracle. Of course it's wrong. So they uh, go to land. Romana is trying to explain to the captain that um, she travels through space. It's, oh, just a common space urchin. It's, and time. And it's time lord. And uh, he doesn't believe her. And he says, I'll have you ex killed and executed instead. And his uh, uh, Avatron rises up from his shoulder, but his nurse steps in and stays his hand and says, um, it may just be all bluster, but I think that story is very interesting. We should hear her out. 
So Kena and Amula are walk well, are tromping and ruling across the fields, tracking Mentiat. Doctor and Kemus have arrived at the bridge only to find a locked panel and uh, so Kemus tries to open it and he, he can't budge it. The doctor says, well, why don't we, we try this and pulls out a sonic screwdriver and does a little zzz in front of each lock and nothing more, it doesn't work. And so he says, oh, well, what is the answer? I haven't finished yet. He takes out of his pocket a bent hairpin. And he says, the more sophisticated the technology, it's sometimes more vulnerable to primitive attack. So the door opens and they head inside to a very dark area. He had given Ramana the macromat field integrator to look at and she says, well, whatever it is, it's burned out. And uh, she says, it's probably just an old macromat field integrator or something. And then they realize that, oh, she does know what she's talking about. Um, and then she says to the captain, she says, this must be part of a huge, a massive dematerialization circuit. If you move this whole mountain through space, the doctor and Kemus um, find this hallway that seems to go on forever. And the doctor tells Kemus to go outside, get the guard's gun, and stand guard. Which he's not happy about, because he wants to go inside. But he says, well, there's many things you're not going to understand, like this linear induction corridor, because Kemus had tried to run and run and run in place and get nowhere. So the doctor knocks on the little panel, and the controls open, and he turns it on and says bye-bye, and he zips through the corridor. So Kemus um, tries the, to knock on the control again. It won't move for him, so he gets disgusted and walks back outside to wait. So the doctor, uh, or captain, um, is blundering to, blustering about, uh, to Ramana about repairing this item. She says, well, you really should have the doctor look at this. You should be talking to the doctor, she says, or rather, listening to the doctor if you have a stamina. Did you mean there are more strangers, invaders on this, on my planet? He says, oh yes, the doctor is here. I'm just his assistant. So, the captain yells an order to all of his guards and ladies that you must find the doctor, find the doctor and bring him here. And as he's blustering on about this, the doctor slips in underneath the, the panel as it opens and starts introducing himself to other, saying hello to other guards and finding Mr. Fibley and say, hello, hello, how are you? I'm the doctor. And um, Captain finally notices this and sees him. So the guards grab him and doctors such hospitality. I'm underwhelmed. Um, and Captain says, manners make me some of them like make me angry or make me you know this and that and doctor my manners are impeccable um and 
to the doctor uh, is sweet. He, um, Ramana comes right over to him and um, brings the field integrator to him and says, well, I think this is part of, this is the, the root of the problem. And the doctor is very surprised by this item and looks up at the captain and says, may I examine this locust? Which irritates the captain even more. Captain orders them to be taken to the engine room to look at things, and if they make a mistake, they kill them. So they go to the engine room. Captain and Mr. Figley are up on a catwalk above, surveying them, and uh, Doctor tells them, tells Romana, like, come on, let's look busy. So they look at different things, and he gives out his phony readings, and is acts, has she acts as if she's taking them down. And they're really talking about how the, the um, what the captain is and plans, and how the doctor has had his suspicions of the doctor of the captain, and he warns Ramana that they are in very very grave danger. Captain is trying to find out about them and trying to get into the TARDIS. The doctor. Um, says as much to Ramana that he's trying to find out more about us and why we've come here. Um, doctor then says to her that um, he thinks they're witnessing a very heinous crime. Um, he calls up to the captain and says that they need to go back to their ship to get a part for this ship and, it, and they both have to go because uh, they have a lock that, that needs them both to be present to open it. So he gets the captain to agree that they can both go to their ship. They exit and the guards um, go with them and they go down this induction tunnel again. Um, <laughs> the doctor is trying to go to the guards and says, must be hard standing around looking tough all day. And uh, they don't respond, so he says it again, and then knocks on one of their helmets as they're traveling along. So they get to the exit where he had come in with Chemus, and outside we see there are guards creeping around the, the grounds there uh, and see Chemus waiting there. So as the doctor and the guards come out, Chemus sees, they see the guards behind Chemus, and Chemus ends up fighting all of them off. Dr. Romana hit the ground and some of the, so the guards are all knocked out. The doctor grabs one of the guards' weapons and tells Romana and Chemus that they're going off to investigate those miraculous mines of theirs. Mueller and K-9 arrive at the um, cave dwelling area of the Mentiads and they're not there. Captain is extremely upset that the doctor and Amana have escaped. They get in the mines and they find a lift shaft um, and they ask if anybody ever goes down the mines. says, no, it's, it's punishable by death. It's like, well, I guess that'd be why. So the captain's informed that they're in the mine shaft, and he says they must never leave alive. So guards are dispatched to the mine shaft. They get down to the bottom, and uh, he says they're 
three miles below the surface of Xanax. This is, it's cold, it's wet, it's icy. And the mom says, I don't understand. And Dorf says, well, think about it, consider it. And she, she looks around and she feels the ground and says it herself, it's cold, it's wet, it's icy. And the doctor tells her that, um, as they just say, that the whole planet is hollow. And the doctor says that, yes, it moves through time, through space, well, through space, and materializes around other planets, like a huge fist, and mines them, and then moves on. And they both say, Cassifrax, that's what happened to it. Because it was supposed to be cold, wet, and icy. So the doctor then um, picks the big uh, stone of Rubium that he picked up in the street. And he remembers where he'd heard of Bendragonus V. said that a couple years ago it disappeared without a trace. hundred million souls or something like that, he says, just wiped out. He tosses the Uli on the ground and Chemus picks it up and says, he swears that he will avenge Bendraginus V for the prosperity that he and his people enjoyed. The Romanos got the tracer out and it's going wild. Um, but it says, well, the second segment must be down here somewhere. And she points it to the ground and it just goes off. Guards have come, found him in the mine, so they run away from the guards, and they run farther into the mine and run into the Mentiads, and they say, Doctor, we have come for you. They see a close-up of the doctor after they say that, and then we end. So you had more than a page of notes, apparently. Yeah, it's just a little bit. I could probably write a little smaller, but I'm tired. <laughs> Might have made it fit. <laughs> so, I think still we've got, um, you know, quite a bit going on, and now we've got some people ending off in little groups, you know, which always seems to happen. Um, uh, we see, we um, we see the nurse. That mm -hmm. seems to be taking care of the captain. And a weird, with weird equipment. A weird Let's equipment, yeah, way. but he's part yeah, mechanoid. He's weird, yeah. So, and uh, she seems to be taking care of him. Sometimes it's, if you really pay attention, it seems kind of like she's directing him. When she says that, you know. I think she is, in some at yeah. least at some point. She says to him that you know she wants to hear the girl's story because she's interested in the time travel. And the, the captain says agrees, but he's kind of in a daze a little bit. Like, um, so yeah, we I don't think we even saw her in the first episode. I think we only saw yeah. If we did, it was guards. He was she was just in the background, yeah. but I'm not sure we saw her either. Yeah. Because we saw so much of the back of the captain's head. Yeah, at the start. In the first one. Yeah. Um, I thought there were a couple cute little touches. Um, when the captain, when the doctor and Chemus 
steal the air car and drive off and the doctor waves to him the guard looks up and almost waves back yeah like oh wait they're stealing my air car i shouldn't wave at them it's like catches himself and you really see no expression on their face because of the big helmet they're wearing um but just in the movement, you can tell, oh, the interrupt, interrupted wave. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I shouldn't do that. And uh, when he knocks on the helmet of the guards. <laughs> that always made me laugh a lot. And just other little things like with Kemus when he, as I said, when he um, tries to knock on the panel to get the induction corridor to, to open up so he could yeah. go ahead and follow instead. He's like, oh, rats! And turns and goes back outside as the doctor told him to do. That was a cute little thing. Mm-hmm. I'm underwhelmed. That always <laughs> made me laugh. By their hospitality. Yes. And even Romana is saying that, oh, yeah, she should talk to the doctor. You should be talking to the doctor, or rather listening. If you have the stamina. <laughs> yeah. What I thought was interesting was she refers to herself as his assistant. Yeah. Where I think maybe before this point she would have really been unhappy to have been referred to that way. Yeah, even though the, the white guardian calls her, refers to her mm-hmm. being his assistant. She never did. No, she didn't, so... That's probably an advancement in their relationship. Could be. It could just be a mistake on the part of Douglas Adams' writing. Mm. Hard to say. I'd rather think that they're developing. Yeah, so would I. um, After working together already. So, really don't care much about K-9 and Mueller going across the the fields to find the Mentias, but you know, they only checked in with them a couple seconds to see where they were and that they weren't, you know, at home when they got there, essentially, Um, which was probably important just so you know, oh, hey, they're not there, where are they, where could they be, what, you know, there are Mentias about, where are they? Um, So I don't think there was really too much low anywhere. It was a little bit slow when they're in the engine room, walking, walking around. Mm-hmm. But they're talking about the captain where he can't hear them. So it was kind of important that he's warning her that they're in really big danger because the captain is more than he appears to be. And the doctor has some suspicion about what the, do- the captain's really doing. And the captain's really, really want to know why they're doing what they're doing. They can't, not supposed to find that out, you know. But it's kind of fun how he spouts out these different numbers and <laughs> readings and... Random, random numbers, no less. And then... Apparently. Yeah. One point whatever and... Um, two point something something something. <laughs> this is what's that mean? Four... Again, kind of nonsensical, but it does add to four. They info check. Yes. Yeah. So.
I did see in the information track where they mentioned when the doctor is remembering where he heard Bandragenus Phi mm -hmm. that um, may have, or pretty soon may have remembered it from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because he mentioned Bandragenus Phi. Yes. Sandragenus Phi, Sand actually. Okay. He changed it a little bit. But apparently he did sort of reuse it. I don't remember the planet being mentioned, but I, I can I can't for life me remember where it was from either. Yeah. Um, but you know, it sounds like an interesting name for a planet. They always use Beetlejuice. As if it were made up. So they have to make up their own some point. Mm, I gotcha. So it's kind of an interesting sounding yeah. But it's kind of nice that already they're bringing that around from the first part where he finds the alien stone. Mm -hmm. and, you know, that type of thing. So they're not waiting until the last minute. Oh yeah, it was this. You know, he's bringing it about and so now we know we know the, uh, the meaning of pirate planet yes because the planet is a pirate it's not just, uh, not just a, a planet of pirates yeah but the planet <laughs> itself yes so to find that out in the second episode you wonder hmm what else is to this story? Because we've got two more to go. Yes, we do. And we have a long way to go in the story. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty... I like it. So. Oh, no, I like it a lot. As much as sort of the captain... I won't say he annoys me, but I find him a little overdone. Yeah. But he still amuses me most of the time. In that weird way that Douglas Adams has of writing that sort of character, I guess. Uh. The overblown mm -hmm. bureaucrat, bureaucrat with a heart of gold sort of thing. Yeah. He kind of makes me think when he's questioning or when he's reprimanding the, the assembled crew of, you know, any prison movie you've seen mm. or like Cool Hand Luke when he lines people up and the, the warden, the director of the prison, chain gang, the chain gang whatever. So, you know, um, soft spoken voice. And then he turns and, <laughs> you know, so when he says, you know, I asked for the rogue telepath to be found and destroyed. He was not found and destroyed like I asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming from this big, blustery, half-mechanoid captain, pirate. And then he failed and yells at him. And he says, when someone fails me, someone dies. And sends his killer little bird after him. Which is honestly one of the most ridiculous things. That bird. silly bird. <laughs> it looks kind of menacing. I think it looks a little more hawk-like than parrot, which is a little more scary than like 
you know, probably when the crackers. I suppose. Still feels overdone to me. I'd say something like little beautiful plumage, but <laughs> doesn't have any bronzy plumage. Say Norwegian blue, uh, bronze, yeah, maybe. Really. <laughs> Even electronic parrot wouldn't die on you. You just replace the batteries. That's true. <laughs> I did catch another clue of what the doctor's suspicions is when he calls this, um, can I examine this locust? Because it comes in and decimates oh, yeah. the, you know, yeah. calling the captain's, you know, engines, his, his whole setup of locust would be easily missed, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But it's more apparent since I know the story. Right. On this one. I didn't have any other observations or mm -mm, I don't either. Details. I just wonder if you want to turn in the information track that you saw. I don't think so. It was fine. Oh, I do remember what I was going to mention. Mm. There were a number of scenes in this where you could really see the wound. Oh. The doctor, the dog bite, the yeah. doctor, well, Tom Baker had gotten. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. He yeah. really got bitten. Well, it also got infected, so that may be what we're seeing here. Could be. I wonder, you know, what happened? How did he get bit in the face by a dog? Oh, you weren't paying attention to the track in no. the last one. I, no, I didn't um, see all of how it happened. One of the actors, and I can't remember which one, had a Jack Russell Terrier that he had trained to take like food from his mouth. Oh. Tom Baker thought that was the neatest gag ever, and so he kept doing it, and at one point the dog went to grab the food and missed, and he got his face. I think I remember from the la from the last story, Rebus operation, them talking about the dog, the man bringing his dog, and I think the actor they meant was the man who played uh, the Graf. Could have been. It was one of the biggies on the episode. I yeah, just didn't remember which one. The Graf's dog. I didn't hear. I didn't read about the trick though. So. But yeah, that's that is why. Mm. Apparently, it was a trained dog. Jack Russell could probably jump that high, too. Oh, yeah, probably. I bet he didn't even have to bend down. <laughs> Although, they might be testing the limit there for Jack Russell to jump as high as yeah, Tom maybe. Baker is tall. Maybe 6'4". Something like that. Very tall. Especially for my family. Well, yes. My brother-in-law was the tallest member of my family. 
who married Anne. Yep. So <laughs> he's in the same boat I'm in. <laughs> yeah, because I think Jan is six three or six four. And Debbie's shorter than I am, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm the tallest, remember? Oh, I remember. <laughs> No one else knows what we're talking about. No, but we could imagine. Anything else? No, I don't think so. Cliffhanger? It's Doctor and the Mentias again. Aren't we just here? Yeah. They haven't attacked him. They're That's there true. for him. They're there for him, yeah. But they haven't attacked him yet, so where is that? Again, I, th I think it might have been, I don't know if it would have been better for them to just start running because the guards were there after them and end at that point. Uh, in this one, I can't see that they, a better stopping point. Mm -hmm. I think the stopping point was fine, except that. The only thing I find wrong, I guess, about this stopping point is that, yeah, we were just here. The Mentads and the Doctor. Yeah. Facing off again. Um, whereas, if we had stopped it, if they'd stopped at the point we were talking about for the last cliffhanger, and then picked up with the Doctor being blasted by them, it would have been more effective, I think, to end this one where it is, because then you don't, are they going to attack him again? We kind of still wonder that, but I think it would have been more effective mm. without having seen them attack him at the end of the last episode and yeah. find out he was, you know, I don't know. I can't see how the ending it with the guards would have been much better. There's this one, there's, there's a question of, you know, do they have enemies that either end now, or yeah. are they going to save them? So. Oh, I think we know the answer to that. Probably. So. Is that it? Yep, I think All so. Right. Join us tomorrow, and we'll talk about episode three of The Pirate Planet. So join us then, and thank you for listening.